Some of the stuff I want to share this morning is probably stuff they're aware of, but that's okay. I just feel like I needed to do this. In Genesis, God came to Abram in intervals. You'll see huge gaps between where God came to Abram, chatted to him, spoke to him, revealed things to him. And then it's like God wasn't there for a while. Then years later, he came and spoke to him again. And in that, it's like in Genesis with Abram, God came to Abram. And even in coming to him, God at one stage when he was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah said this, Should I reveal to Abram what I'm about to do? Certainly God, the creator, would come to a man who had been called and reveal to the man what he's about to do. Because the heart of God was always to partnership with us. Amen. Then in, when we get into where the law came through Moses, we see God didn't come to Moses. God was with Moses and the Israelites. He was with them. And you can see that in the pillar of the cloud and the fire. And you can see often a time when God called to Moses, particularly when they were challenging Pharaoh. He said this to Moses, and I've got all the scriptures. I just don't have time. He said, take your staff with you. Take your staff with you. Next time you go and challenge Pharaoh, take your staff with you. That staff represented God's ability in terms of what he wanted to do through Moses. Are you with me? It's a sign that I'm with you. I'm not only coming to you, but I'm with you. And so wherever he went, he took the staff with him, and he said, throw your staff down, and this will happen. Hit the river with staff. It was always the staff. He couldn't go without the staff. And so when the people came out of Egypt, and they came to the Red Sea, and the Israelites were standing there, and the Red Sea is in front of them, and the Egyptians are coming behind them, and the people were starting to panic. And then Moses said, God will do it. Moses turns to God and says, well... And God says to Moses, what do you have in your hand? What have I trained you? What do you have in your hand? Use what I've given you in your hand. And so then Moses from that moment on begins to realize, hang on a minute. What God has given me, the staff, is wanting me now to be able to use it under his direction, not having to speak to him all the time about it. You're with me. Then if we fast forward and we come into the New Testament, not only does God come to us, not only is God with us, but He comes to live within us. He lives within us. And He came and revealed Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's an amazing fact. So He doesn't come to us in intervals. He doesn't just come and walk with us. He lives within us. And He wants to live through us. And so I always say there's a difference between praying to God and praying with God. There's a difference between ministering for God and ministering with God. And God wants to minister with us, so He wants us to minister with Him. And He wants us to uh, pray with Him. You understand what I'm trying to say? Because He lives within us. He wants to partner with us. But in order for Him to partner with us, we need to have a heart that will continually receive what He is doing so he can partner, or we can partner with him. And I want to talk on that a little bit about having a heart after God, having a heart to receive. Because everything we have in God, we've received. We did not earn it, we did not deserve it, but we received it. Instance, John chapter 1. Yet to all who did receive him, 
to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So the first thing is to all those who received him. Received him. Then when we receive, we believe what we receive. And that word right means I gave the authority. So we can with authority say, I'm a child of God. Amen. Amen. And it carries authority. Jesus said this. He breathed on me and said, receive the Holy Spirit. John 20, 20. Acts 1, 8. You receive power when the Holy Spirit, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Acts 2.38, you will receive the gift that my Father will send you. 1 Timothy 1, if you believe in Him, you will receive eternal life. Acts 10.42, receive forgiveness. John 17.8, Jesus is praying this wonderful prayer. Father, all that you've given me, I've given them to the disciples, and they've received it. They've received your word. Acts 2.41 says, those who received his word. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 said, receive the word. And as you can see, everything that we have, we need to receive. We don't earn. Our hearts need to be in a place that we can continually receive from God. And so my little language, the way I understand it, our hearts need to be pliable in his hands, because then we'll receive it. He is the potter, we are the clay. Amen. That's a heart after God, because we've got to receive it. And so you receive, and in believing what you've received, there's a process that happens inside you that brings transformation over time. That's what happens, which brings habitation, God's presence to habitate within us. And then you live it out. So you receive is a process that happens, and that takes time, and then it gets ingrained and established, and we live it out. That sounds quite simple. Amen. (laughs) So the key is receiving. We don't earn it, as I said. And many people start the Christian walk, and they receive the Lord to become a child of God, and then they feel like they've got to work at it to do something. Yet the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, Philippians 2, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good will. Amen. So there is a working out, I agree, but you only work out what you've received. That everything is receiving, 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 receiving. And I think in the Western world, we struggle to receive. Because we grow up having to earn everything. But in the kingdom, it's just receive. My children, just receive. I have wonderful gifts for you. I have my word for you. My presence, receive. Just receive. That's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. So I want to talk about, very briefly, I've had five titles here. When I walked in, Dwayne said, what are you preaching? And I said, oh, I don't know. So I'm just trying to condense it <laughs> to having a heart after God or cultivating a heart after God or cultivating, creating an atmosphere within to receive God or position yourself to receive. What did we write? Cultivating a heart after God. That's, that's my wife decided on that. All right. <laughs> she did. <laughs> And I put a scripture up there. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after, because he will do everything I want him to do. 
Because when you receive from God and give it time to work within you, you will walk out the purposes of God. Amen. It's very key, folk. Receive. Please receive. Keep receiving. Keep receiving. Keep receiving. Every day he wants to give us something. Just keep receiving. So, how do I cultivate my heart in me so that it's good soil? Because that's what the Bible uses, that terminology. You remember the parable of the sower? Jesus said some go and sow the seed and some fell on this and some fell on that. But the seed that fell on good soil, he's talking about the condition of our heart. You know, if you receive it, he even said that if you hear it, accept it, Okay, and through persevering, you will produce a crop. So what is the good soil? How can I make my heart in a place that will always be receiving what he wants to give me? Amen. You with me? That's, that's a heart after God. I don't know how else to put it. Okay. I like things simple. All right, so number one, very simple. Gratitude. Cultivate a life of thanksgiving, of gratitude. I encourage you strongly. Gratitude. Celebrate what God has done and is doing, knowing He's faithful to continue to do the rest. Amen. Whatever God started in you will come with a seed form, will come not in its fullness, but it comes in the seed form. And as we Thank Him for that, and as we have a heart of gratitude for that, it will increase through thankfulness, because it keeps my heart tender. My heart can't come hard when, I'm, when I have a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. Thank Him every day. Michelle went off and we counsel people, and people are struggling with stuff, and we all go through times like that. She says, write down every day, wake up and write down three things that you are thankful God for. Start there. God, thank you for my husband. Thank you for the house. Thank you for the roof over my head. Just start with stuff like that. Thank you. It cultivates its end. It's very important. Thankfulness is what we feed off. We feed off that. Our spirit man, our soul feeds off that. Please do not feed yourself of what God hasn't done yet. Don't focus on what God hasn't done. Feed yourself on what He has done and what He's doing and be thankful for that. Because when I focus on what He hasn't done, what happens is a spirit of offense can rise up inside me. So focus on what He has done. I encourage you, be thankful for what He has done. My favorite holiday in this nation is Thanksgiving Day my favorite. Thank one another. Thank your spouse. Thank your parents. Just be honest with it. Don't just thank them for, well, I better thank them. No, be real if you know what I mean. Thank them. Go to those that have encouraged you, those that you felt have helped you through, and go thank them. Amen. Cultivate, encourage you, cultivate things. The next one is a renewed mind. It's very, very, very important, this, a renewed mind. And I want you to turn to the scripture if you can. If you can go to Mark chapter 8. Thank the Lord for your salvation. 
For those of you who do not know, I grew up in a home that we, we didn't discuss anything, and at the age of 33, God intervened in my life, just turned me upside down. It had such impact in me, it began to filter out, not because of me, just because of the goodness of God, and I, I touched my kids, I touched the house. I started to touch my brother-in-law, who wasn't saved at the time, and years later he came and asked me questions. I started to touch my father-in-law, who's now saved. My brother-in-law now leads a church. It touched his family. His wife got saved. His kids got saved. Then it touched uh, Michelle's cousins. Their father, Henny, he came and visited us once, and we were down in Cape Town, and we were just talking. He asked me questions, and I just told him what I, all I knew. I didn't know much at that stage. I just told him what I knew. And he got radically saved sitting, as I was talking to him. Just, I just saw it. It just happened. And it filtered into his family. His wife got saved. His kids got saved. You see the ramifications. If we receive what God will give and allow it to be established in us, it will just naturally walk out of us and begin to impact other people. You don't have to do it. It will just, it does itself, if I can put it that way. Amen. A renewed mind. All right. Where did I say we gain? Mark chapter 8. All right. When you get to 60, you can say these things. Okay. Mark chapter 8. If you go to verse 16, it said, They discussed with one another and said, Is it because we have no bread? Jesus just fed the, the 5,000 or the 4,000 actually. And he is talking to them about it. And a verse before, he said, Be careful. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. They discussed this with one another. Is it because we have no bread? Aware of the discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Because they were still thinking in a different way. They'd just seen the miraculous happen, but it hadn't filtered into them properly yet. And so they didn't understand it. Their mind hadn't been renewed. It was going to get renewed. And when your mind's not renewed, even as a Christian, it tends to harden your heart. Because we can't line ourselves up with the things of God. Because as we think, so we are. We should do a whole series on renewing the mind. That is of absolute importance. The battle in your Christian walk will be here, nowhere else. Yeah. It will be here. It really will be. And that's why the Bible says renew your mind. Renew it. Think differently. Don't think like you used to think before you were saved. Think differently, but it takes time. It just takes time for that to happen. So as we renew our mind, a renewed mind is a powerful tool the Holy Spirit uses to adjust attitudes and emotions. That's what it does. And so adjust something inside me. Ephesians 4.22 says, Be made new in the attitude of your mind. That's what Paul is saying to those Corinthians. So renew your mind. I encourage you. It takes time. doesn't happen overnight. Number three, continue to declare the revelation that God has given you. Continue to declare it. Don't stop declaring it. Go with me to a scripture. Go to 2 Corinthians, please. Chapter 4, verse 7. If you go to verse 6, actually. For God said, let the light shine out of darkness. He's made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So we have this 
treasure, presence, the nature, the DNA, the goodness, the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness of God within. Yes? Okay. All right. Yes, thank you. We have it within, in this jar of clay, you know, this clay, this, this wonderful body I have here. All right. Okay. Then verse 8, we are hard-pressed on every side. How many have felt hard-pressed? But not crushed. We're perplexed. How many have found perplexed? When Clayton preaches, I'm perplexed. Okay. <laughs> but not in despair. We're persecuted. <laughs> We're persecuted. How many felt persecuted in some degree? Not abandoned. We are struck down. How many feel struck down at times, but we are not destroyed? We always, always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in the body. So part of me is dying, but another part of me is living and giving life. The old man is dying. Hallelujah. But the new man in me is giving life through the body, through his hands, his eyes, his mouth, the feet. That's literally what's happening. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. How many know you have been put to death? You physically live, but inside you've been put to death. So the new life may come out. So you've always been given for Jesus' sake that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So death is at work in us. But life is at work in you. And verse 13 is the key. It is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. So after all this, Paul says, he mentions all that he's been through and how he's had some hard times and some tribulations and some tough times. But he says, but I believed, therefore I spoke. Continually declare the revelation God has given you in your tough times. Don't let your tough times, don't let the hard times rob you of the revelation or cancel the revelation of who God has revealed who He is to you or what He has said to you. Because that's what it wants to do. It wants to shut it down. Declare it. Sing it. Shout it. Declare it in the shower. Declare it in your car. You're going through a tough time. Whatever He's made real to you, that's the revelation in your heart. Keep declaring it. Because what will happen as you continue to pronounce it and pronounce it and you preach the gospel to yourself every day, the hard times you're going through will eventually give way. I'm telling you, will give way to what you're declaring. And you live from that place and the hard time. Amen. It keeps my heart pliable. Because when we go through hard times, the heart can get very... And it keeps it soft. It keeps it pliable. That's what it says in Romans 4. Abram, against all hope, he believed. Even though he was an old man, he believed that God was faithful to perform what he had said he would perform. So he became the father of many nations. Go read it. Romans 4, 18, 19, and 20. Amen. Please don't allow what you go through in your life to cancel or undermine what God has shown you and is real to you or what he's spoken to you. Declare that. Heart pliable. 
Thanksgiving keeps your heart pliable. A renewed mind keeps your heart pliable. And continually declaring what is done and who you are in him will keep your heart pliable to continually receive and receive and receive. All right. Two or three more. Number four. Continue to feed yourself on the incredible things God did in and through ordinary men and women. The Bible is full of them. Ordinary men and women, what God did through them. How people heard or saw things that facilitated. When you read a story, how many of you will read a testimony or you hear a testimony? Let's use David and Goliath, the first time you heard of David and Goliath. Just what it did to you. Even young people, David and Goliath. It does something inside you. Yes. You with me? It's what it does. So you've got to continually feed yourself on these incredible exploits that people did under the direction of God. It came through them, but God actually did it. Read those. Continually read of those. Because what it does is it says, God, yes, and it keeps your heart wanting to receive. That's what it does. It takes the box or the ceiling we put in ourselves or others. It takes it off. Because we always want to put a ceiling on ourselves because of our past and because of what we don't know or because of what we're struggling with. And so we put a ceiling on us. God never puts a ceiling on us. Never. Never puts a ceiling on us. He never confines us to a box. You with me? Read. For me, it's, you all know this, Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, Maria Woodward Etta, all these people of the past, when I read of them, something stirs inside me. And I say, God, it's got to be more. It's got to be more. God, it's got to be more. I just want to continue to receive. You with me? All right. Next one, number five. Be faithful with what you have received. Very key. Go to 2 Timothy, please. 2 Timothy. Gentile eat pork chops three times. That's how you know where it is. Timothy, Timothy, and Titus. Okay. This is Paul's last letter that he's writing. He's writing to this, his wonderful spiritual son, Timothy. It's his last letter he wrote. He actually reveals in this letter, I've run the race, kept the faith, and something else. Three things. He's done three things. And God has revealed to me that my time is coming to an end. So now what he writes there is of key importance because he probably knows this is going to be the last time he's going to communicate before he's taken from this earth. And so in this verse 14, he says this, What you heard from me keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. God, God, the good deposit that was entrusted to you, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, Timothy, my son, whatever God has given you, whatever you received, and probably a lot of it came through me, guard it. Take it. Nurture it. Keep it with care and interest because it's been entrusted to you. So you've got to guard it. But you've got to guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean, to guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit? Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. Talks about an anointing. Verse 26. I'm writing these things to you, to those of you who are trying to be led astray. John wrote this just 
by the way, so people understand. 1 John, it's the same guy who wrote John, obviously. 1 John was written to the Christians of that day that were coming under an attack in the sense of what was being said. There was a thing called Gnosticism, and it's even prevalent today, that you had to know special knowledge in order to be saved. And John is writing to the Christians saying, that is not true. This is how you know you're saved. So in 1 John, there's six signs how you know that you're born again. And actually, 1 John 5, 13 says, I'm writing this book so that you may know that you're a child of God. You have no doubt whatsoever. That's the reason he wrote this book. And one day we can go through those signs because it helps equip us to equip others. But what are these signs? How do I know that I'm a child of God? And you can have such assurance inside you. And so he's writing, he said, that's why I write these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. I'll explain it. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real and not counterfeit, just as it is, it taught you and remain in him. So what is he saying here? He's saying there's an anointing that when you heard something, there was an anointing on it, and the anointing even in you taught you. That's what gave you the revelation. That's what opened up your heart. Because you can't receive anything unless God enables you to receive it. There's an anointing to receive, but there's also an anointing I trust on myself now today to be able to Declare something. And when those two come together, you receive revelation. And he's saying the anointing teaches you. What is that word? It doesn't mean that we don't get taught through people. We do. But the anointing on this man's life, as he teaches, there's an anointing on it. And we receive it because there's an anointing on it. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So the anointing takes the words that he says... And because of the gifting that's in him and his ability to study the word and understand it, and in the gifting, the ability that God has given as he speaks it, we can receive it, and that anointing teaches me. That's what he's saying with the help of the Holy Spirit. What does that word teach? Teaches is a very key word. It's a word called didisco. You see, I'm taking off to my son now. I'm getting all the fancy, okay? It's to learn, <laughs> it's to teach, it's to instruct. It's a pupil-disciple relationship. One teaches, the other learns by assimilating and taking it as part of himself. But the main aim with teaching is the shaping of the will of the pupil. That's the main aim, is to shape our walls, that we surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not to give us knowledge up here. It's to shape me so I will surrender and receive some more. That's what the anointing does. And then he's saying, that anointing is real. So when you heard somebody talk and it impacted you, he's saying, trust that, that's real. Don't trust the information that other people are trying to give you. You've got to know certain things and certain, have certain knowledge. Guard that. He's saying, guard that. Guard it. That's what Paul's saying. Guard that, Timothy. Guard it. Guard it. 
Take hold of it. Keep it with care and interest. Guard it. Don't let it be robbed from you or taken from you. Don't let it lose its impact that it had in you. Because that will tenderize your heart. That will keep your heart tender. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. When we were coming back from Canada, the last trip, Aaron was with me. Those of you who know Aaron, he asked a lot of questions. <laughs> Which is good, it's wonderful, he's learning. And he asked, we were on our way back, we were traveling back from Canada, and he asked me a question. And uh, it went along the ways of this. He said, Ken, has there ever been a sermon or sermons you've listened to that have had incredible impact in your life and shaped you? Good question. I said, yes, there actually have been. So I asked him. He said, yes, and he could name them. He said, there were two particular ones, and one was called Ten Shekels and a... Ten Shekels and a Shirt. I said, where the heck does that come from? What a sermon. Paris Reedhead. And he sent me the link to go and listen to it. And it had profound impact upon him. Why? Because God is talking to him through that sermon... That's key for his life down the line. And there'll be sermons that you'll hear. You'll hear many. But there'll be some that you're going to say, that really rocked my boat. That, there's something in that that the Holy Spirit is revealing to you that's for you and your life and your destiny and your purpose on earth. Don't lose that. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Don't lose that. Guard it. Guard it. Remind yourself of it again and again and again and again. The day you got saved, or within six months after you got saved, often a time, or when Jesus became a reality to you, let me put it that way, God deposited something in you that's key for the way you're going to walk your rest of your Christian walk out. Let me use an example. When I got saved, it was very dramatic for me, maybe because I was so stubborn, I don't know. But it was very impactful for me the way I got saved. I experienced his power, and I experienced such liberty and freedom. And we all received the same. Mine wasn't better than anybody else. But it had such an impact on me, that's what's driven my whole Christian walk, that I want people to see the freedom they have in Christ and to know the power that is in Christ. That shaped my whole Christian walk. And something within the first six months, God put something there through our sermon or whatever that is key to your walking out your Christian walk, your destiny, the way he wants you to. Maybe it's business. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Don't always think about it in front of a church. Very key. You with me? So guard the good deposit, really. But that's the first part. There's another part to it, okay? Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. So it says, guard the good deposit. Go back to Timothy. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1, it says, And then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard from me, say in the presence of me, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Saying, saying, what you've received... And you've allowed it to assimilate and begin to have impact and change the way you think and change the way you respond as that has become real to you 
make sure you pass it on to somebody else. Make sure you tell somebody else. Make sure there's an outlet to what's happening inside you. Hallelujah. Trust God, what I've given you, but then entrust it to others as well as you move along. Many of you know uh, Michelle and I, particularly myself, we got very involved in deliverance early on in our Christian walk. So when we arrived here, that's one of the things we taught because it was just who I am. And this lady over here, with a number of others, but particularly this lady, she would not leave me. She used to come every day and go, Ken, what about this? 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 Uh, everything I knew, I passed on. And then we trust and we hope that they go further than where you are, because that's what you want to have. Amen. That keeps your heart pliable. I'll run through the next two. I know, there is only one more. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> okay. There's only one more. Amen. <laughs> okay. I have to say it so loud. Eh? Shh. Okay. Say so quietly. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm having fun. Don't worry. Very simply, remain hungry. Remain hungry. And I asked to say it, just remain hungry. Remain hungry. Remain hungry for the things of God. And one of the things that will cause hunger in you is desperation. And Jesus told a parable about it. When he's praying in Luke 11, we don't have time, and he's praying to teach us to, start to, teach us to pray, and then he tells a parable about the friend came to another friend's house. So I come to Josh's house, and I say, Josh, please, listen, my family are starving, and I need some bread. Please, can you help me? Josh goes inside, he can't find bread. So he doesn't know what to do now. He hasn't a clue. He wants to help me, but he can't help me. He wants to. He has a desire to, but he can't. What I need, he can't give me. It's a parable Jesus said. And then Jesus said, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given. Knock, and the door will be opened. Seek, and you'll find. If you earthly fathers know how to give good gift to your children, how much more will my Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him? How much more? How much more? And so we go through a process in life where we have what I call failings in our life. But it drives me to my knees and I say, God, please help me to help these people. God creates a hunger in me. God, thank you for those that you healed. But those that didn't get healed, God, create that hunger in your life. It keeps your heart soft and pliable to receive from it. Amen. Get hungry. Remain hungry. I encourage you, remain hungry. Whatever you need to do, remain hungry for the things of God. So you're satisfied, but you're not satisfied. Amen. I trust this is helpful, just to keep your heart pliable. Keep your heart pliable to receive. That's all it is. Heart pliable to receive. Thank you.